This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in Melbourne's CBD. Today's big question, what is the key to life? We ask this question today to Dr. Sam Chan. Sam is a theologian, preacher, author, ethicist, cultural analyst and medical doctor. He works as a national communicator with City Bible Forum and he joins me now. Please welcome Dr. Sam Chan. That's a pretty good welcome, Sam. Yeah. So you work as a national communicator. What does that do? I'm employed by City Bible Forum to speak in the different cities. But in practice, that, that's what it means is when I'm in Sydney... Um, they well actually no one knows where I am that's what I mean in practice <laughs> so people in Sydney think where is he he must be in Adelaide people in Adelaide think where is he he must be in Perth people in Perth think where is he he must be in you know Hobart and it means I can be a ninja like you know, like no one knows where I am okay right stealth when I'm you're in stealth in, mode and you know where you are today Melbourne yes Yay. that's right yeah. <laughs> now you're also a medical doctor as well as being yeah. a national communicator do you ever get those two mixed up not yet <laughs> no 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 someone at work had some some glass stuck in their finger so I snuck out some instruments from work and I operated on her finger at work and while we were doing I forgot at work we have a thing called a tourniquet that stops you from bleeding <laughs> and so as I cut her blood just went everywhere and in, in medicine you just got to pretend this has happened to you 10,000 times before when it hasn't <laughs> I mean what do I do now <laughs> and you fix it up I think I just called, up. Like, I just, called an ambulance. I just <laughs> pretended I, I got whatever I was looking for out and, and just stitched her up, like hoping it did come out. <laughs> okay. Well, to kick off bigger questions, we do like to ask a couple of smaller questions. We do try to have a bit of fun on the show. Today, we're asking a Sam Chan about the key to life. So, Sam, I thought we'd test you on how much you know about keys. Now, <laughs> do you feel qualified at all? Oh, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> okay, well, we do try to help our guests let them pass. There's two questions, both multiple choice. Question one, being awarded the keys to the city is a modern honour with medieval roots. Now, we're recording bigger, today's Bigger Questions show in Melbourne. So, Sam, which of the following people has not been awarded the keys to the city of Melbourne? Three of them have, one hasn't. Okay, was it A, New Kids on the Block, the American music group? Was it B, Mariah Carey, the American singer? Was it C, Dolly Parton, another American singer, or was it D, Dame Edna Everidge, the Australian entertainer? The three of those have been awarded the keys to the city of Melbourne. One hasn't. Who was it? Ah, uh, listen, I, I know how this works. I, I've heard it before. I, could, I say, I could say <laughs> Dolly Parton, and then yeah. you coached me. Yeah, yeah, yeah I wouldn't. wouldn't, I wouldn't. wouldn't. That's, right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I so wouldn't I, say Dolly Parton. I could say New Kids on the Block. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> um, so it's B so, or D. Uh, I'll, Come go, on. I'll go B. B never got the keys to the city. Mariah Carey. And the answer is, in fact, B. Mariah Yay! Carey. <laughs> so the awarding of the keys to the city goes back to medieval Europe where cities were surrounded by gates and fortifications. The key to each door was given to a noble trader of good character so that they could freely come and go to conduct their business. Now the award today is given more to recognise good citizens and great ambassadors for the city. Is, it, is there anyone you think that should be awarded the keys to the city? Oh, you've got me. Like, I have no idea, right? You, Rob, you should be getting the keys to the city. <laughs> Thanks. I like you already said that's great. Okay, question two, and yeah. you're, you're on the way. What does the key to Erebor open? Is it A, 
the gates to the medieval city of Erebor in Slovenia? Mm. Is it B, the doors to the new car, the Tesla Erebor, the Tesla E model? Is it C, the mountain gate of the lonely mountain in The Hobbit? Or is it D, the heart of the lesser-known Kardashian sister, Erebor Kardashian, <laughs> made famous in a 2012 song, Key to Love? So which of those, which, what does the key to Erebor open? I, I think it's The Hobbit, just from some vague subconscious thing in my mind. Like, I, I think I came across a term, reading Lord of the Rings or something like that. Yeah, well, that's correct. It is the right answer. Whoa. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> The others were just all made up. Well, I suppose The really? Lonely Mountain and The Hobbit was also made up as yeah. well, but it was in a real book. Mm. Yeah, anyway. So, Sam, you should be awarded the keys to the city because you got two of two of our smaller questions oh, right. Big round of applause. You. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, Sam, so there's keys to lots of different things. There's doors, cars, cities, mountains, even the key to love. But what about life? Is it possible to have a key to life, a, a principle to unlock the good life? Is it possible? Well, I guess we all live as if it is possible. I think mm-hmm. what deep down haunts all of us is if all I am is atoms and molecules, yeah. if I'm just another form of life on the planet, if I'm just another species of animal, then really events are just events happening day after day after day. There is no rhyme. There is no purpose. But none of us live that way. We all live as if there's an overarching story bigger than our own story, and that makes sense of the events. So I guess... We all live as if there is a key to yeah. life. And essentially, every culture has given it a name. So for the Greeks, it was called Logos. For the Asians, it was called the Tao. But we all assume there's an overarching organising principle that mm. will make sense of all that's happening. Well, so the big question then is, well, what is it? Because there's been lots of different suggestions as yeah. to what the key to life is. So American actor Will Smith says it's running and reading, not giving up and learning from others. Others say it's happiness. Others say it's relationships are the key to life. Uh, another blogger suggested balance. Uh, New York Times columnist David Brooks says that suffering gives our life's meaning. So which is it? Which of these is the key to life? I don't think it's been either or is it this or that. I think it'll be multi-perspectival. But what's interesting, each one by itself, and even they themselves don't seem to be enough. So if you trace the history of thought, it used to be, what is the point of life? Well, it was survival, really. It's just propagation of the species. We're just trying to survive day by day. But that by itself was a little bit empty and unfulfilling. So then it became the key to life is success. You've got to study hard, work hard, get a job, save up, get a house. Mm-hmm. But then that by itself was just a bit dry and unfulfilling. And that apparently was our parents' generation. So our generation, the key to life is it's happiness. You've got to do whatever it takes to make you happy. And that's what we hear in every graduation speech of every high school and university across the Western world. Do whatever it takes to make you happy. But now the people of this generation are saying that by itself is quite burdensome. I've got to do whatever it takes to make me happy. Mm-hmm. And they say happiness. Psychologists say you actually can't find it by looking for it. It's like a rainbow. By chasing it, it goes further and further away. It actually come to you from the side as an accidental byproduct of something else. And if you tell people you've got to do whatever it takes to make you happy, they think, well, I've got to try harder and harder. And you think, am I happy yet? Am I happy yet? So someone actually said, at least with our parents with success, they knew when they got the job, they knew when they got the house, but we don't know when we found happiness and do I have to try harder? So the irony now is we're more tired, more stressed, more busy, and we're more unhappy by trying to be happy. Mm -hmm. So now psychologists say it's all about purpose. We need to find purpose. So if the purpose of life is to find 
purpose. We've just gone in a full circle. <laughs> and so now we're back to here. Well, it's just surviving again. So each by itself is not enough. It's like we still need a bigger story than just that to make sense of life. So how do we break out of that circle? Well, we're after transcendence. We yeah. need a bigger story than just own, our own, a transcendent story, something else to break into our lives to make sense of all that yeah why is that why do you need something transcendent why can't we find it here well i usually use the otto bin story to explain this i live on a cul-de-sac where my job is to take out the garbage once a week and the hardest thing about taking out the garbage is trying to work out is it yellow bin or is it green bin is it yellow bin is it green bin night and so we all just wait to see what someone else does. <laughs> and just the other night, the guy across the street put out the green bin. And so we all went, yes, it's the green bin. So we all put out our green bins and it was yellow bin. So we all got it wrong. So again, we need something transcendent, an external reference point. Like so, what bin is it? So we need to ask ourselves. The, again, the, great, the great bin of the sky, yeah, so to speak. what is yeah. our purpose? Like someone tell me, what is my purpose? So you need something to break the is circuit. Is it yellow so bin or green bin? <laughs> Uh, so you found your purpose in bins, have you? Is oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the only way I'm useful. In, in, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so what about these other, what are those attempts to try to find meaning mm. sort of within the system, so to speak, like happiness, success, purpose? Like, do any of those resonate with you? Well, it all becomes self-referential. So we might say it's about love, belonging and relationships, but every relationship, just imagine a husband and wife, after a few years, there's that moment where they say, where are we going with this relationship like even a relationship needs a purpose and so then we might say well it's about having children so that's this moment usually usually when you start trying to have children and then you gotta after you have children you think what was the point of children like my life is miserable now <laughs> and jennifer senior in her book all joy but no fun says parents with children are less happy than parents without children so we're less happy now so what is the point so then we say wow it's all about Success. So then we project upon them our fears and insecurities, trying to make them successful. Then we say, no, it's all about happiness. We've got to make our children happy. And again, now we're more tired, more stressed, more miserable, trying to make our children happy. And then what is the point? So again, you need a story bigger than your own to break in and say, this is what the point is. Mm. Now, you found a story bigger than your own, and you probably mm. said that's the Christian message. Yeah. So as we're asking you today's big question, Sam, what is the key to life? Mm. Maybe can you share a bit about your story, about how you found this purpose? Uh, what made you convinced to become a Christian believer? Well, I'm an Asian, high achiever, first born in the family. So my mission in life was always to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I was that annoying kid in your primary school who always stuck up his hand and said, Miss, I finished all my work. I need more work. <laughs> in high school, I'll get 99% and debate with a teacher. Where was the other 1%? Like, I got this right. I should have 100. So I was so driven. I had to be a doctor and I did it. I got the marks I needed. I got into medicine. And suddenly you realise the high achieving lifestyle is very self-destructive because you're forced to be proud and insecure at the same time. You need your trophies more for yourself than for other people just to prove to yourself you're somebody that you have achieved. But again, the goalposts keep changing. You're a mm -hmm. doctor, but now you need to specialise and you need to further specialise and it just keeps going and going and going. And suddenly I think that's when the truths in the Bible became so liberating to me. They set me free because that's when I finally understood, hang on, Jesus is perfect, so I don't have to pretend to be perfect. I don't have to be proud and insecure. I can be humble and secure, knowing that because Jesus is perfect, God loves me just the way I am. Of course, he loves me too much to leave me the way I am. But the point is, I don't have to make myself good enough for God. That's his job. I can just be humble. I mean, you know what? 
I'm not okay, but that's okay. It's okay to be just who I am and not pretend to be perfect. Mm. So in some ways, the key for you was what? Finding freedom in Jesus. Finding freedom. Like he sets you free. Yeah. It, now, now you realise that. You reread the book of Luke and realise every time someone meets so Jesus. It's a book in the Bible. A Luke is a book in the Bible. Every time someone meets Jesus, they respond with joy. There's a freedom and a joy in finding Jesus. Mm. So how's it changed your life? I had to make a choice. Do I stay serving Jesus as a doctor, which you can, because my father and my brother have done that, or but I had an opportunity to teach about Jesus on a full-time basis, which meant I, I had to give up full-time medicine. It was impossible. And I suddenly realised I don't need medicine to be somebody. Now, being medicine is great as an Asian high achiever because bank managers want to talk to you. They want to give you their money. And people at parties want to talk to you. Wow, you're a doctor. And they want to show you their rations. But if, if, if you go in a full-time ministry, bank, bank managers do not want to talk to you. They don't want to give you their money. And people at parties do not want to talk to you. And I thought, you know what? I'm okay with that. Because I have Jesus. I am somebody. And it's interesting, I caught up with a surgeon friend lately and I said, they tell me it's lonely at the top. And he looked at me and said, oh, it is so lonely. Here's the irony. Once you become somebody, there's no one to tell you you are somebody. But if you find God, he will say, hey, you are one of mine. You're a child of mine. You are somebody no matter what. Mm. Now, Sam, the Old Testament wisdom book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible Mm. says in chapter 12, Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. So the teacher here, the author of Ecclesiastes, was pondering and searching really for the key to life. So Mm. what did he find? I think he found, his rubric was, every time he tried something like pleasure, success, money, even family, friends, party, a good time, he says, huh, it was like chasing the wind, like a puff of wind, you can't catch the wind. And what was gained? Nothing was gained. And then he realises it all changes if there's a God. If there's a God who loves me, who made me, then everything is a good gift from a good God to enjoy. Don't make less of it. Enjoy it. It's a good gift. Enjoy it for what it is, a gift from God. But don't make more of it than what it is. Don't make it your transcendent reality. Uh, In the end, God. Enjoy God the giver rather than just the gift. Mm. So he's not saying that there's no meaning, though, is he? No, he's not saying there's no meaning. He's saying the meaning's understanding that there is a God. I'm more than atoms and molecules. It's not about trying to gain, but enjoy the gift, because there is a giver, and Mm. that's the key to life. But there are many in our world today that say that there is no meaning. Mm. Uh, There's no key to it all, so to speak. For example, atheist scientist Jerry Coyne says, People like me don't worry about what it's all about in a cosmic sense because we know it isn't about anything. It's what we make of this transitory existence that matters. So how do you react to that? Can we just make the most of this transitory existence, just enjoy life we have while we have while we've got it? Yeah, I think they are so right. These guys are so right because they've hit it. Because really there are two choices. There really are only two choices. There is no God. We're just atoms and molecules. Events just happen. Just get over it. And if you want to survive, tell yourself a happy fairy story to say there is meaning, there is purpose, there is hope, there is love, there is freedom. But that's all it is. It's a story you tell yourself. But none of us live. He says that he does find meaning in life Mm. through things like his job, from his loved ones, from hobbies, art, literature or music. I mean, surely you you can find meaning in those kind of things? Well, again, it's just a happy story we tell ourselves. It, It itself is an arbitrary social construct. 
that we've told ourselves, when really, if there is no God, we're just atoms and molecules just surviving, just happening. You know, I read a lot of the New York Times, and a lot of their writers who are atheists are saying, and one, one guy wrote this year, Joseph Carter, the universe does not care about you, get over it. Mm-hmm. But we live as if it does care. So when there's a tsunami or an earthquake, we cry out in outrage, this should not happen. But if it's an impersonal universe, why are we crying out in outrage? Why do we care? Because somehow we sense this is not the way it should be. There is a goal, there is a purpose, there is a hope, and this isn't the way it should be. But why can't we just deal with it if there is that there is no higher purpose? I mean, the, the, late, the atheist, the late uh, Christopher Hitchens, says that it's time to move beyond the mewling childhood of our mm. species and deal with reality as it is, and that's what we have to do. And Cloyne claims that it's childish superstition to say that there's a higher purpose. So are you just yeah. avoiding reality by claiming a higher purpose? That's right. So I think in the end we're left with two choices. We can all just go on our own journey of life surviving, telling ourselves our own story, constructing meaning, whichever way we want to construct meaning, or realising no meaning came and found us. So it's not about us blindly searching on a journey, you know, you've got your meaning, I've got my meaning, who's to say my meaning's any better than your meaning? In the end, these are just happy stories we tell ourselves. But the big claim of the Bible and the big claim of Jesus is this, meaning came and found us. So there's a book in the Bible called John, and it just begins by saying, the logos, Jesus, the logic, the meaning of the Bible, the overarching principle of the universe, the logos became flesh and lived amongst us to say, I am meaning. So there are our choices. We construct meaning and we go searching for meaning or meaning is real, it does exist and it came and found us as a person, Jesus. Mm. Now the author of Ecclesiastes suggests that there is a meaning to life, mm. as you've already alluded to. Yeah. Now do you think that he's too confident when he pronounces in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, now all has been heard, here is the conclusion mm. of the matter. So can we provide a conclusion to the search for the meaning of life? I think it all comes down to Jesus. It's amazing. My, my, my neighbour, who's my Uber driver, and he's searching. He, <laughs> so he's when, when, he's, when he's driving you on an Uber, he's, he's, he's searching. Yeah, that's right. And he really is searching. He's, he says, I'm searching for the meaning of life. And I realise it can't be you have your meaning, I have my meaning, because they contradict too much. He says, in the end, it just comes down to Jesus. He says, it, can't, it really is, because he says... That's what he says. Yeah, this is what he says to me. And he says, I have to decide whether to take him at his word or not. Because if his words are true, he really is the son of God. And if I know him, then I have the transcendent purpose I'm looking for. That will make sense of all the other things I'm doing in my life. Well, the author of Ecclesiastes then says, he then presents the conclusion to his quest, Mm. which he says, Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind, for God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So how is this? The conclusion to his quest. Well, the conclusion is there is a God. So that's a big one because there is, if there is no God, again, we will overinvest in, in our family, we'll overinvest in our work, we'll overinvest in our possessions. But if there is a God, it just changes everything because there's a good God. He's given us good gifts to enjoy. Don't make less of them than what they are, but don't make more of them than what they are because they will destroy you and you will destroy them. In the end, there's a good God And if you enjoy God, the giver, you can enjoy the gifts. And then he says, but there's a God who judges everything. And that's the other key. Because without a God who judges, nothing in this life makes sense. Because it seems like the bad people prosper and there's so much unfairness in the world. But knowing that one day there will be a God who writes all wrongs means I can enjoy the good gifts right now. And that will make sense of everything because there's a God who will write all wrongs in the end. 
Mm. A couple of questions have come sure. in from our text line from our live audience here. What about other transcendent experiences mm. or journeys offered in other religions? Yeah. Can they also offer the keys of life? Yeah, that's right. So again, it comes down to this. We all search for transcendent experiences and realities and a transcendent key. So who says your transcendent key is any better than mine? So it goes back to the two choices again. Really, we're all on a journey together looking for meaning and we will never know. All meaning comes and finds us. So it all comes down to Jesus again. Can I take him at his word that he's meaning, who's come and found me, and if I know Jesus, he will set me free to enjoy my life and not over-invest in the other things to make them meaning when it's all about knowing Jesus. Another interesting question. What about experiences via drugs? Mm. Can we have meaning that way? Can we have meaning... So again, it all comes down to, is there an overarching purpose? So like Paul Dolan, who's got a book called Happiness by Design, he has a PhD in happiness. So he argues it's not about pleasure, not about experiences. He says it's about purpose. So he says there are many things that are pleasurable, like eating pizza on a Friday night in front of the TV, but they're not purposeful. So they by themselves end up becoming empty and unfulfilling and even in drug taking, even destructive. Mm -hmm. We're actually chasing purpose to be happy. So he says there are many things that are purposeful that aren't pleasurable, but they will make you happy. Like uh, studying for an exam is purposeful, not pleasurable. Moving, (laughs) helping a friend move, move house is purposeful, not pleasurable. Giving birth to a child is uh, purposeful, but not pleasant. But in the end, because there's a purpose, they will give us happiness. Mm. They will be fulfilling by mm. definition. So let's get back to thinking about judgment. Sure. Uh, for God bringing every... Sorry, that's a happy thing to bring us yeah. back to, I suppose. Yeah. So how again, how does judgment then bring meaning? I know. We think we don't want judgment. But in the end, if we believe there, that there is good, there is bad, there's right, there's wrong, we, we need judgment. And we think of judgment often negatively, but it's also positive because in the end, there's a God says, hey, this is good. This is beautiful, and that's what judgment is, as well as this is wrong and this is inappropriate. Mm. Are you satisfied with that as an answer to the key to life? Well, it's interesting. I saw House of Cards and one of those seasons and, and, um, where the wife was unfaithful and had an affair, and when the husband fi- found out, she said to him, huh, I thought you would be more angry. And the fact that he wasn't angry at her meant he didn't care. And sometimes it means if there's a God who judges, he judges because he loves us. It's because he is a loving God who cares about us. He does judge us. I remember one, one, one time I was riding my bike along the street quite fast and a boy ran out and his father just stopped in the last time and, and pulled him back. And, and that dad was basically because he cared for him. He said, hey, don't cross the street. So sometimes a judging God means there's a loving personal God who does care, and at the end of the day, that means there is a right and wrong. We're just not blindly shooting, uh, wondering, well, what is the direction? To have a direction, a purpose, and a hope, we actually also need a God who judges. Mm. So is the key to it all then judgment or purpose? Because there is judgment, there is purpose, there is a direction. So the key, again, is there is purpose, there is direction, and I have a transcendent God who I can live for. Mm. Uh, another question come from our text line is, what if we don't have any good gifts from God? Yeah. Well, it's, it's all how we define good. But again, <laughs> if there is a God and if there is purpose, we don't have to overinvest in those things either or underinvest. Viktor Frankl, in his book Man's Search for Meaning, 
says, and Viktor Frankl was a Holocaust survivor, man search for meaning, and his big thing is, we need meaning. We need meaning, we need purpose. That's the only way we can live. That's the only way we can survive. And he says, think of it this way. Think of two hypothetical women. One woman gives birth to a child with profound disabilities. And now she has to spend a whole life investing in this child. All her dreams are shattered. She can't chase her dreams. She has to raise this child. There's another woman. She's beautiful. She's rich. She's successful. At the end of their lives, the woman with a child with disabilities will say, wow, look at my life. I just raised a child with profound disabilities. And then the woman who was rich and successful will say, huh, look at my life. What was all that about? Yeah, I was beautiful. Yes, I flirted with men. Yes, I went to parties. And yes, I owned a lot of houses. But what was that all about? In the end, it's not just about the good times and what we're given. Is, is there a purpose? Is there a transcendent purpose? And that's what will give us a rich, flourishing and fulfilling life. Mm. How has the meaning of life provided in the Bible given you purpose? Oh, there is this moment in everyone's life when they said, why am I even getting up out of bed today? Like, you think, is, is it for work? Is it for family? Is it for success? Is it for money? But suddenly you think, no, it's all about enjoying God and a relationship with God. And these are just good gifts from a good God to enjoy. I took my boys ice skating last year and they had never ice skated before. And they were just puttering around the ice skating rink. They weren't the fastest, they weren't the strongest, they weren't the best. But every time that they did a lap, they just came back to me and said, did you see me? Did you see me? Did you see me? And all they want to know was, did I have their pleasure? Did I notice them? And I think that's the purpose of life. Like, do we have God's pleasure? Does he notice us? And God says, because of Jesus, he notices us. He, we have his pleasure, and that means everything else we have in life, the work, the family, the success, the money, the possessions, they are good gifts that we can enjoy, but we don't have to use them to get God's attention or anyone else's attention or to be somebody. We have God's pleasure, and, we, and, and I think that's the purpose of life. Mm-hmm. So, Sam, mm. what is the key to life? <sighs> so, it's survival. It's success, it's happiness, it's love and belonging, and it's purpose. But out of all that, we still need an overarching, bigger story, someone bigger than just me to live for. And Jesus' claim is make me the bigger story. I'm the story that will make sense of all your little stories and all the events that happen in your life. We have the jigsaw puzzle pieces, but he's the picture that will make sense of it. Uh, he's the Mr. Miyagi who makes sense of all the wax on, wax off, uh, paint the fence thing that's happening in our life. So we all need someone bigger than just me to live for, a story bigger than my own story to live for, to make sense of everything. And Jesus claims to be that. Make me, because uh, he loves us. He made us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He cares deeply about us. And he says he's come to set us free and to give us a joy that transcends all that's going on in our life. Let me leave you with the Bible's answer to the big question, what is the key to life? From Ecclesiastes 12, 13 to 14. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. I look forward to you joining us next time for bigger questions. Please thank our guest today. Sam Chan. Thanks. Thanks for having me.
Thanks for listening to Bigger Questions. To help you continue exploring the bigger questions, we've developed a reading guide to accompany this episode called Chasing Life. The guide has further questions, stories and reflections to help you understand the book of Ecclesiastes. To get your own copy or to find out more, check out the Bigger Questions website or contact your local City Bible Forum office. If you've enjoyed the show, why not support it on Patreon? You can help us keep asking bigger questions for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com slash bigger questions. Thanks for listening and we look forward to you joining us next time.